Let's just um, pray together as we come to look at this song. Heavenly Father God, we pray that as we look at Psalm 147, that you would speak with us this morning, that you'd please encourage us and refresh us in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sorry. (laughs) Good morning, everybody. Well, it's said that the Bible is not a book about us, but a book about God. And so this morning, as we look at Psalm 147, I'm hoping just to bring out things that it's going to teach us about God. And I think there's three sort of main areas, so in true sermon style, we've got our three points. And the first thing it teaches us is that God is worthy of our praise. Secondly, that God delights in us. And finally, that God blesses us. See, firstly, we're going to look that God is worthy of our praise. Now, when I'm at home and doing the bedtime stories, um, we sometimes read uh, the silly emperor, the emperor in his new clothes. You know, the story where he, he's desperate for some perfect birthday suit and some men come along and they kind of fool him that he's going to be wearing this amazing suit. And if you can't see it, you're ever so foolish. And um, there's a point in the story where he's stood completely naked And his servants and people around him are looking at him. And he says to them, so what do you think of my beautiful clothes? And the servants all sort of say, because they don't want to look stupid or they're frightened, oh, you look amazing, you are beautiful, oh, majesty, emperor, wonderful, blah, 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 you're amazing. Um, And they just kind of lie and and they're saying all this kind of praise. And sometimes... I imagine that that's how people view Christians. That we're some sort of zombies, just kind of like, oh, smile, Jesus loves you. Don't worry, let's just praise the Lord. La da da da. And, um, and actually, this psalm kind of brings us back down to earth because it's basically saying, yes, praise the Lord. Praise God, though, because He is worthy of our praise. There are reasons to praise God. And so we're going to just look at that really um, briefly. If you've got um, the Bible open, then do open it um, at the psalm. Because as I look through scripture, and um, I look through different passages in the Bible, I find that every time there is a lot of praise in the Bible, praise to God, behind it there is always concrete truth about God. There's something of God's power that's been revealed, or a knowledge of his saving grace, or his actions through history. And you see, praise comes when we glimpse God. We can know a God who's worthy of our praise. We're not to be like those uh, fearful servants, not wanting to get it wrong, and so offer kind of mindless praise. So um, 
this particular psalm that we've got, Psalm 147, the writer of the psalms um, in a fantastic place emotionally. Um, there's been some great things that have been going on. The people have been through this awful, terrible time. They've been exiled. Um, and now Nehemiah and some of his people have come back and they've uh, rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. They've restored the gates and they've resettled the people back in to Jerusalem. And they've come together for a fantastic celebration and dedication. And this psalm was written for that occasion. But even on the mountaintop high of all of this backdrop, the psalmist brings home reasons of why they're going to stand together and praise God. So firstly, in verses 2 to 3 and verses 12 to 14, he says, God is worthy of our praise because he graciously heals and restores. God is always in the business of taking the rubble and the hopelessness and bringing life. That's a God worthy of our praise. He goes on. Verses 4 to 6, God is worthy of our praise because he is sovereign. He is in control of the universe. He can name all of the stars, and none of you can. God can name all of the stars. And do you know what, people? He promised Abraham, didn't he? Your nation is going to be as numerous as the stars. And as they come back from a time of being persecuted, where people are being killed and they've been in exile for ages... They're still a nation. Amazingly, God has held them through this dark time. They are still existing and growing and becoming a numerous people. God is sovereign over all. The psalmist reminds people of God's almighty power, that it is matchless. And his wisdom and understanding goes beyond our comprehension. And these are reasons to praise our wonderful God. God is also worthy of our praise, verses 7 to 9, because he provides through the seasons of life. We get this amazing image um, in those verses of the ravens. Um, Apparently, ravens are like really, really selfish birds. And basically, when they give birth or the young kind of arrive, they just um, run off and leave them to just fend for themselves. And most often we see, you know, mother birds getting food in their mouths and feeding it into their baby birds. Not with ravens. Apparently they just leave their young to fend for themselves. And the psalmist is saying, isn't it amazing that in God's economy, somehow God gets food into these baby ravens and they kind of survive. God is able to provide through the different seasons of life. But... Before we move on, I just want to kind of get rid of a few common Christian myths that are around about praising God. The first one, um, and uh, this probably is going to tell you more about me than anything else, um, but hopefully some of you will relate. I find it really, really annoying when I'm feeling a bit rubbish and a bit down and some bouncy, happy Christian comes along and says, don't worry, praise the Lord. And it's everything within me to stop me kind of going, like, you just want to punch the smug looking smile off their face. Um, now, obviously, <laughs> I've got some clear issues of pride and um, need some prayer so you can all pray for me. Um, But the thing that kind of brings home to me is that actually in that moment of feeling down, 
What I need is not the command to praise, but I need the reasons why to praise. I need to be reminded of who God is. And so what I need someone to do, rather than say, don't worry, praise the Lord, it will all be okay, is what I need someone to do is just put their arm around me. I'm really sorry you're feeling down, Nick. I'll pray for you this week. And do you know what? God's so amazing. And you know how, like in Scripture, when God does this, and, and, and you see the end story, and we know what's coming, and we've got this amazing God, and he's going to be with you. I don't know how this is going to play out right now for you but he's got your future in his hands. We're living for an eternal hope of glory that's going to last forever in his amazing kingdom. And I need reminding of who God is, that he is all-powerful, that he's sovereign even over my dark time. That's what I need rather than the command. And when I come to scripture, that's what I find. We're never told to be these kind of zombies, just to praise the Lord for no reason. We're given reasons. And so increasingly, as um, we're looking at our worship services in church, I'm enjoying most the spiritual songs and hymns that contain both adoration, but also declaration. Because when we declare the almighty truths of God, my heart is spurred on to praise naturally. And that's a wonderful thing. Secondly, I just want to get rid of the myth that um, Christians are literally meant to be praising God all the time, every moment of the day, which is another myth that is out there. Thankfully, we've been looking at the Psalms uh, all through this summer period, and we've seen, have we not, that they speak both to God and to one another, the whole spectrum of human emotion. So we get depression, we get ecstasy, we get excitement, we get fear, we get questions, we get doubts, we get sadness, and we get joy. And God can hold all of those emotions. And there will be times and days when we just need to cry before the Lord. And that is okay. Our praise may not be as jubilant, great or as deep as when we're feeling happy and it's okay to acknowledge that nonetheless though even in our darkest hour we're called to praise not because of the rubbish things that are happening to us but because our God is still worthy of our praise but it's having that knowledge in our heads that is so important that we're not praising out of some weird forced duty, but because we've turned our thoughts to look upon God. And even though we're facing a hideous circumstance or situation, our God is nonetheless still worthy of praise. We need his grace and his help during those times and to stand uh, with one another. We don't uh, look today, do we, very easily at our news, uh, where we're seeing so much evil being done in our world. And throughout history, we only have to look back, don't we, to see horrible, dark points of history. We're not to ever to deny those or to kind of be somehow weirdly joyful through them. It's okay to cry because our Father God is crying. His heart is breaking. It is evil playing out and all of its consequences, which he's defeated and is going to finally come and put an end to The last myth, uh, which is kind of linked, so um, 
it's, uh, <laughs> it's all right not to feel praising God all the time. Um, but we praise God regardless of how we feel, but it's not expected of us without reason. We praise God regardless of how we feel, but it is not expected of us without reasons. It's good for us to look upon reasons. And so we don't have to go, praise God, I've broken my leg, which is another um, Christian classic that can be uh, around. Um, We sort of somehow think we've got to praise God for for the rubbish stuff. We don't. Um, It is true, though, and I was thinking of um, Corrie Ten Boom, you know, when she was in the concentration camps. And she started thanking God because there were fleas in their dorm room. And it wasn't that she was thanking God for the fleas, but she was seeing God's hand at work in keeping out the officials and other people that were being horrible to them. They wouldn't come in because it was so flea-ridden. And it meant that they had this break in their day of peace where they prayed and praised and read the Bible. And that's amazing to even be in the depths of the darkest situation and still count your blessing. And that's a challenge to us. But it's, it's not okay to go, thank you, God, for fleas. Of course, fleas are bad. They're horrible. They're not particularly nice for us. And it's not a pleasant experience to be infested with fleas. Of course not. We're not to suddenly go, praise God for fleas. But God, even in the midst of this difficult situation, I can see your hand at work. And I'll praise you for what I can see of your hand at work. And I'm going to praise you because you're God. You're just worthy of praise, even in this state I find myself in. That our head knowledge about who God is, what God is doing, and how God will have the final say spares us on to praise, even through the darkest valley. And so we're encouraged in this psalm to praise God, but not to praise without reason. We praise our God because he is worthy of praise. That's amazing. So two other really quick things as we finish that I think this psalm says about God. So it says he's worthy of praise. Um, It also says that God delights in us. Isn't that wonderful? It's a lovely um, take-home bit of scripture, verse um, 10 to 11. We have this um, amazing image where the horse, the power of the horse and the man's leg are being used as a symbol, a symbol of the cavalry and the infantry against powerful enemies. And they were displays of human strength that so often impress people. And God comes in and says, well, yeah, but I delight not in those things, but in spiritual strength. I delight in those that trust me. So our society has got that so, so badly wrong, hasn't it, at the moment? Where we place value and worth on what humans can do. And so as people get older and can do less, our society seems to value them less at the moment. The debate, as far as I understand it, on Twitter, where Richard Dawkins made these sort of claims that pregnancies of sort of Down syndrome babies should be terminated. I haven't read it all. Um, but basically, the debate, to me, seems to be revolving around what we consider a worthwhile human to be. That as humans, we should somehow be able to do something, be something, look like something. That is what society tells us. 
Here in this passage, God's going, no way. Your strength, your legs, your brilliance, your horses, your power, they're nothing to Almighty God. What can you offer God? Nothing. Even the best, most talented human in the world has nothing to offer God. God doesn't even need our relationship with him. He's complete in himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect, loving unity and relationship. He doesn't need us for a relationship. He doesn't need us because we're worth anything. To God, we're precious because he created us. And he says so. Full stop. He loves you because he's created in you and put his image in you. And if you can do nothing that the world considers worthwhile, God still values you. He's put his image inside you and he loves you. And when you and I turn to his strength and rely on him, it delights his heart, the psalmist says. Isn't that amazing that we get to delight the heart of God? God loves us simply for who we are and how he's made us, not what we can offer. He values you because you're preciously made in his image. And it's up to him what gifts and talents he will bless you with and ask him for grace to use every part you have for his service, for his kingdom, of course. But he fundamentally values you for you. He made you. And he's put his image in you. And we get to delight him when we trust him back. So God's worthy of praise. He delights in you. And finally, he blesses. God chose the nation of Israel in his wisdom um, that we won't necessarily understand. In his wisdom, he chose the nation of Israel. And um, in verses sort of 12 to 20, we see that he gives his word repeatedly. His word comes down to Israel. And he uses this nation. He wants them, both in their words and actions, to communicate him to the other nations. We see that throughout Scripture. Today, as we embrace the New Testament, the same is true of the church. It's been entrusted to show God to the world. God, in his mystery understanding, has chosen the church. The church often gets it wrong, but God has chosen the church nonetheless to be light to the world. And so God sends out his word. And it's lovely in these verses because what God's doing is he is addressing Israel. He's not programming Israel, but addressing them with his word, seeking relationship with this people group, that they will follow his commands and ways and communicate him to all the other nations surrounding. And so God blesses, of course, that we would bless all people on the earth. And so God blesses his church today. He blesses us as we come together with knowledge of his will and of his heart. And we have with that a bit of a challenge and a responsibility now in how we go and bless others with that. So God's worthy of our praise. God delights in you. God blesses you, church, today 
with his word. Amen.